today the title is receiving through prayer receiving through prayer i just want to read a verse from ephesians 6 verse 18 it says like this praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints this is paul he says in ephesians 6 after speaking about how we are fighting the principalities how we are fighting these spiritual forces he mentions the armor of god and then he says praying at all times praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints amen okay so respond with me guys okay i know that your mics are muted but still respond with me okay uh paul is saying pray at all times why should we pray what are we praying for okay so today we're just going to talk about prayer how we can receive through prayer so if you had to give a basic definition of what prayer is what would you say the most basic definition of prayer would be talking to god prayer is how we talk to god but we need to understand why are we talking to god is because we have a relationship with him we only talk to somebody for a long period of time because we have a relationship i don't know how many of you talk to strangers for a very long period of time some of you do you know i know some of you who love talking to strangers more than talking to people whom you know but usually i'm just saying normal people talk to uh talk to people whom they have relationship with so communication is the basic foundation of every relationship if you are in a relationship you will communicate now the beauty about prayer is that prayer is also communication and it is just like any other communication it is two way communication so prayer is not just talking to god prayer is also hearing what he has to say so it's a two way communication a lot of us most of you know a lot of us our prayers are usually you know father god we come to you and you know we just say the prayer without taking the time to hear what he is saying so just imagine okay i i go to ashish thomas and i say hey ashish thomas how are you doing what's up you know how is life i just say whatever i have to say and i say goodbye that's not communication that's me just speaking communication is two ways when you speak and you hear what the other person has to say so prayer also has to be where we not only talk to god but we hear what god has to say you know i remember somebody sharing this uh, amazing illustration which is like god gave you two ears and one mouth two ears and one mouth meaning your listening to speaking should be two is to one more than what you speak you should hear more than that what you speak the volume of what you speak uska double the double of it you should hear you should listen okay but a lot of times people are like this <laughs> you know we are talking a lot without even listening so prayer is not something where we are only talking to god prayer is something where we are talking and where we are also listening it's very it's very important okay 
But my question today is, can prayer be more than just communication? Can prayer be more than just communication? Yes, it can. And today I want to talk to you how prayer can become more than just a communication tool, can become more than just our conversation with God. So if you read James 5 verse 16, don't take, don't take it, just listen to me. If you read James 5 verse 16, it says like this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. When a righteous person, when you and me who believe in the righteousness of God, you are righteous, right? When you and me pray, when you and me make sincere prayer, they become an effective tool in your hands. Prayer becomes an effective tool. That's what James is saying. But how does that happen? How that happens is when we pray, when we pray, there's a communication link that has, that has happened from the earthly realm to the heavenly realm. Is that right? Where are we right now? Our spirit is seated with Christ at the right hand of God, but our body is right now here on the earth. And when we are praying, we are praying from our mouth, we are using our body. So when we pray to God who is seated in the heavenly realm, we are making a bridge between earth and heaven. We are making a communication link between earth and heaven. And when there's a bridge between earth and heaven, when there's a bridge between the natural and the supernatural, the earth can be heavily influenced by heaven. Because prayer is two-way communication. Does that make sense? See, that's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want, I want you to highlight those three faces. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer, prayer can become an effective tool in transforming earth. It is not just about talking to God. It is not just about conversation with God. You can overflow from that place of conversation in transforming your surrounding, in transforming the atmosphere. Because when prayer becomes a bridge between earth and heaven, heaven starts influencing earth. I want to tell you what a powerful tool you have. The effective prayer in the hand of a righteous is powerful. It's working power. It's effective. It can change not just you. It can change your family. It can change your city. It can change your nation. It is effective. So effective prayer impacts the earth by bringing his kingdom, by bringing his will, by establishing his will as it is in heaven. So for us to pray effectively, you have to answer four questions. To pray effectively, you have to answer four questions, okay? The first question is, whom are we praying to? Write it down. The first question is, whom are we praying to? The second question is, why should we pray? The third question is, what should we pray for? And the fourth one is, how to pray. So for effective prayer, we need four questions. And that is what we are going to answer today, okay? The first one being, whom are we praying to? Why should we pray? Third one, what should we pray for? Fourth one, how to pray. Whom are we praying to? 
when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, how does he begin his address of his prayer? Our Father in heaven. So whom are we praying to? We are praying to not just a God who is distant, who is far away. We are praying to our heavenly Father who is relationally very close to us. He is always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's always close to us. So we're not just praying to a God. We're not just praying to a creator. We're not just praying to a powerful almighty one. We are praying to a father who is mindful of us, who loves us, who's concerned about us, who's immensely close to us. See, uh, have you ever heard Jesus addressing God apart from the word father did you ever hear did you ever hear jesus calling god o yahweh o yahweh ire yahweh you know elohim did you hear jesus say uh, el shaddai yahweh nisi he never uses those names because jesus reveals that this god whom we worship is our father and there is no greater revelation of God than the revelation that he is our heavenly father. See, in the Old Testament, God used many different names to reveal himself, right? He used many different names. I'll give you some examples, okay? Uh, so in Genesis 1, we see God reveals himself like Elohim, which means God Almighty, all-powerful. Then we see El Olamin, which means the everlasting God. El Shaddai, God, our sustainer, all-sufficient one. El Elyon, the most high God. El Roi, the God who sees everything. Adonai, who is our Lord. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Yahweh Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. Yahweh Rafa, the Lord that heals. Yahweh Shamma, the Lord is present. Yahweh Sideknu, the Lord, our righteousness. Yahweh Ire, the Lord who provides Yahweh Shalom, the Lord of peace. Yahweh Shabbat, the Lord of hosts. You see so many names in the Old Testament just to reveal the same person. Why do we have so many names in the Old Testament for the same person? Because every name individually only reveals one aspect of who God is. Individually, one name only reveals one aspect of who God is. And that's why... These names, even though there are so many names, these names are only revealing a partial revelation of who God is. They don't reveal the full picture. They only reveal the partial revelation. It's incomplete revelation because nobody has seen God. That is what John says. John says in 1.18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Only Jesus has seen God for who God is. Everybody else had a partial revelation. Everybody else had glimpses of him. And that's why we don't see Jesus using these names. We just see Jesus using the name Father. All these names can be combined in one name, which is Father. Jesus has given you that name. He said, you can call him with confidence. You can call him Father. You no longer have to call him in these so many names that you have. Calling him in those names is nothing wrong, but you don't have to do that because the name Father that you have for God is enough. It combines collectively everything that you need and everything that you will ever want. So whom do we pray to? 
we don't pray to a god who has the characteristics of a father we pray to our father who is also a god we pray to a father who is also known as god we don't pray to the creator who is also known as a father we pray to our father who is also the creator we don't pray to a judge who is also the father we pray to the father who is also a judge does that make sense so the father is the focus of whom we should pray to the second question what is the second question why should we pray why should we pray prayer in essence if prayer in essence is communication between us and the father true true prayer true prayer is birth out of intimacy it is not birth out of a need okay true prayer is birth out of intimacy why if prayer is a two way communication between you and your father where you're not just speaking to what god is saying but you're hearing from god then prayer is birth out of intimacy see understand guys we are not praying so that we can twist god's arm we are not praying so that we can change his heart oh god please will you have mercy on him so that you know your heart will be changed no we are not praying to twist god's arm and to change his heart we are praying so that our hearts will be changed right when he changes us by prayer when we are transformed we become agents of transformation see prayer causes a ripple effect of transformation and how does that happen is when we come to god when we pray he changes us and when we are changed the atmosphere that we are living in changes because we become the those agents of change so why should you pray you should pray for transformation you should pray for change and that change happens in our hearts first it happens with us first see a lot of times when we pray we are praying for external circumstances to change right isn't that right if there's chaos happening if there's violence happening if there's you know in this circumstance we we see a lot of people who are sick we see a lot of people who are admitted in the hospital we are praying for external circumstances external circumstances change those external circumstances can't change unless our hearts are not changed if god wants to transform a nation he will transform a city first he will transform a family before that and he will transform a heart first a mind and a heart it all flows from your transformation when you pray you allow god to transform you isn't that amazing see that's why paul says in romans 12:2 he says do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so when your mind changes when your mind is renewed you are transformed knowing that god's will is good pleasing and perfect see because we are not transformed we don't have a renewed mind we don't understand that god's will even right now even in the midst of chaos is good is pleasing and perfect let me show you an example okay i love this example it's sam 73 you don't have to take it but you know you you can write down these verses and check it up you know whenever you get time sam 73 is written by asaph and if you don't know who asaph is asaph is a worship leader in the courts of david so he used to write songs and he used to sing those songs and sam 73 is one of those songs 
Psalm 73, the first three verses, he says like this, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, listen to this. How does he begin? But as for me, my feet had almost tumbled. See, God is good to everybody. God is good to the church. God is good to the righteous. But for me, my feet is almost tumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. See, isn't this our prayer? God is good to everybody. God is good to the righteous. God is good to those who, you know, who pray and fast for 40 days. But to me, my feet have slipped. I have stumbled. I'm envious. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand why the wicked people are still prospering. Why the wicked people are still, you know, making a lot of money in the situation. I don't understand. That's his prayer, just like you and me. But see how he ends this song. In verse 28, he says, but for me, it is good to be near God. See how he started, but how he ends. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. What happened? He begins his psalm by complaining. He begins his psalm saying, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand if God's will for me is good, pleasing and perfect. Maybe God's will is good, pleasing and perfect only for a select few. I don't get it. I don't see it. Maybe God is not good to me. I need to do something. But the ending of that psalm is, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. What has changed? What has changed from the beginning of the psalm till the end of the psalm? What has changed in Asaph's life is verse 16 and verse 17. Verse 16 and verse 17 says like this, but when I thought how to understand this, how to understand what is happening, how to understand this chaos, how to understand the wickedness, it seemed to me a wearisome task. When I was trying to understand this all by myself, it seemed so, you know, it, it seemed... It seems such a burning out experience. It was such a wearisome task. Until, say with me, until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Until I went into God's presence. I was all over the place. My mind was so afraid. I was, I was so angry. I was so bitter. I was so confused. But when I went into God's presence, I understood what God was doing. I understood what God was doing. See, prayer changes our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, we begin to change the atmosphere. Amen. So prayer is a communication link which is birthed out of intimacy. And when it is birthed out of intimacy, it can overflow to become a blessing for everybody that is around you. See, guys, I, I want to remind you, if you are in the middle of chaos, if you are in the middle of a problem, if you are in the middle where people are sick, the reason why God put you there is so that you can become a channel of God's blessing to them. When you change your heart, your changed heart becomes a blessing for people around you. That's why God has put you there. So stop complaining. Stop comparing. But let God change your heart. Let your heavenly father change your heart. Let him work in and through you so that you can be a blessing. See, I, I want to tell you something. 
you know prayer is powerful okay you 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 just shouldn't say that oh you know what if god's will is it will happen no prayer is powerful because it is through prayer that you are bringing god's will you are establishing god's will on the earth let me give you an example okay in first kings 18 don't take this i'll just tell you a story in first kings 18 there was a famine in the land of israel for 3 years for 3 years there's a famine and elijah uh, at the end of those 3 years god comes to elijah and says go show yourself to the king and tell him that i am going to send rain 3 years of famine and now god tells elijah go show yourself to the king and i will send you rain now elijah goes and tells the king hey you know go back to the palace because there is going to be a great rain so go and celebrate the rain hasn't happened understand this guys the rain hasn't happened god has just told elijah and elijah is just telling the king that go and celebrate because the rain is going to happen but you know what is interesting even after god told elijah that he is going to send rain elijah bows down kneels and he starts praying why does he have to pray why does he have to pray when god himself said that i am going to send rain why does he have to pray if it is god's will to send rain why do we have to pray when it is god's will to heal why do we have to pray when it is god's will to bring peace on this earth why do we have to pray when it is god's will to increase the kingdom are you understanding something guys see it is your responsibility yours and my responsibility to partner with what god wants to do when we pray we establish god's will that's why jesus said pray like this let your will be done let your kingdom come as it is, as it is in heaven let it be done on earth when you pray you impact her elijah prays seven times seven times he prays and after seven times when he prays his servant comes and he says you know i see a little cloud like a man's hand and then elijah says go rush and tell ahab to go back to the palace tell the king to go back to the palace because it is going to rain are you understanding guys don't leave from your prayer of place till you see an evidence of what you have prayed for if god had told you that this is something that you're going to do you continue to pray till you see an evidence if your faith does not have evidence it is fake don't get up don't get up from that prayer closet till you see an evidence till you see an evidence of what god has told you pray 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 till you see the evidence and when you see the evidence start celebrating okay so why do we pray we pray we pray so that so that god can change our hearts we pray so that god can transform our hearts and in transforming our hearts we become the agents of his transformation we affect the atmosphere we affect the people around us we become his blessing we become blessed to be a blessing so that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven this is why we pray guys i want to remind you you have a great mandate on your shoulders okay there's very little that you can you and me can do in the natural right now because of what is happening around there's very little that you and me can do but you and me can sit and pray 
can sit and pray till we see the evidence of what God is doing. How many of you are with me? In, in such a moment such as this, that we will sit and pray till we see the evidence of God's will happening in this place. Guys, I want to remind you, you know, through this entire season, one verse that is standing out strong to me is Isaiah 9 verse 7, which says the increase of his kingdom and his peace, there will be no end. The increase of his kingdom and his peace, there will be no end. Let me ask you, do you see the increase of his kingdom right now? Do you see his peace right now? If you don't, then it is our mandate. The mandate is on us to kneel down and to pray and to bring his kingdom to see God's will established on the earth so that as it is in heaven, it is on earth. I want to encourage you guys. Don't get up till you see the evidence of what you prayed for. Don't get up. What should we pray for? That's the third question. What should we pray for? There can be a lot of things we can pray for, especially in the times that we are living in. There are a lot of things that needs prayer. But I, I want to narrow down the most important thing that we should pray for. That every other request, every other supplication, every other intercession should flow from this place. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear? What is that? That is to know God. Our prayer is to know God. That should be the focus of everything. You're going through suffering. You're going through sickness. You're seeing people sick. You're seeing chaos. You're seeing violence. You should prioritize in your prayer to know God. God, what are you revealing? What are you revealing in this situation? What are you revealing through this time and place? What are you revealing through these circumstances? I want to know God, the passion to know God. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 1.17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is saying, my only prayer is that I want to know God. I want to know him. You know, that's why in, in another passage in Philippians 3, he says, I count everything as garbage. I count everything as loss in comparison to knowing Christ. What is our prayer? What are we praying for? You can pray for a lot of things. You can pray for healing. You can pray for righteousness, justice. All of that is good, guys. But it should flow from this focus of knowing God. Especially in the circumstance that you are in. Your focus should be, Lord, I want to know you. What are you doing in this time? What is your will? What is happening in this place? I want to know you. I want to know you. See, Jesus says in John 17, 3, that knowing God, knowing Jesus is eternal life. Eternal life. It is eternal life. When you know God, when you know Christ, this knowledge is not just head knowledge. Okay, It's not just head knowledge. But it is experiential. It is intimate knowledge. See, James says even demons know who God is and they fear. What is the difference between the knowledge that demons have and what we have? They don't have intimate experiential knowledge of, their, of the Father. We have intimate experiential knowledge. So what are we praying for? We are praying so that we can know God in whatever circumstances we are going through. We can get to know more of him. 
I want to know God today. We want to know God today because knowing God is the key to our blessing because he does not just want to bless us. He wants to become a blessing. See, all the names that I told you in the Old Testament, so many names that I told you, the meaning of those names change in Christ. Yahweh, Yahweh Shalom, which meant God will give you peace. That meaning changes in Christ, that God who has become our peace. So when you get to know God, he becomes the very blessing that we need. So you no longer need Yahweh Shalom who gives peace. You need Yahweh Shalom who has become your peace. You need Yahweh Sideknu who has become your righteousness. You need Yahweh Ire who has become your provision. You need Yahweh Nisi who has become your victory. You need Yahweh Rafa who has become your healing. Come on, when you and me get to know God, he becomes what we need. It is in the knowledge of God lies the key of our blessing. So what are we praying for? We are praying to know God because knowing God is our biggest blessing. And I want to challenge you in this season. Will you pray to God to know Him? To know Him. Say, God, I know, we know that we are going through so much. Our country is going through so much of turmoil. But we want to know you more in this turmoil. We want to know what you're doing. We want to hear from you. We want to know your heart. What is your heart saying? What's your heart beating for? Amen. Okay, what's the last question? How should we pray? How should we pray? Like I said, if prayer is communication, it should be birthed out of intimacy. Say with me, intimacy. When it is birth out of intimacy, we are not just praying to any person, right? We are praying to somebody who has died for you and me and who was raised from the dead. So we are praying to somebody who has finished everything. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. He was not just saying it simply. It just did. It just, he was not just blurting it out by mistake. He meant it. He was intentional. He knew what he was saying. So when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, it is absolutely finished. So how should you pray? We should pray out of intimacy. Our prayer should be rooted in persistent thanksgiving. Say with me, persistent thanksgiving. See, you can't only have persistence in prayer or you can't only have thanksgiving. Because if you only have persistence in prayer, you are you are showing that you show dependency to God, but you don't trust him when you only have persistence. But if you only have thanksgiving, but you don't have persistence, what you're showing is you do trust God, but you don't depend on him. So you need both persistence and thanksgiving so that you can, so, so that your prayer is a balance of trusting God and depending on him. That's why Paul also had this habit of praying persistently for everyone. Persistent thanksgiving. That's why he would say in Ephesians 1.6, he would say, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. Do not cease this persistence. Thanksgiving is being thankful to God. So persistence shows that you are dependent on God. But thanksgiving shows that you trust God. You need both. You need dependence on God and trust in God. You can't be like, yeah, I trust God, but 
I'm not persistent. That just means that you trust God, but you're not depending on him. You're not depending on him for your daily needs. You're not depending on him for your daily, the daily day-to-day moment of your life. Your prayer should be a balance of persistence and thanksgiving because it shows both a balance of dependence and your trust in God, that God has done it. Even though God has finished all of it, I will give thanks to him without ceasing. That is where prayer should be rooted. See, that's why Jesus says like this in Mark 11, 24, he says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. How can you believe that you have received it? When you root your prayer in persistence, thanksgiving, you can only give thanks for what you have already received, right? So you believe that you have already received it. So new covenant prayer is not God do this. New covenant prayer is we thank you, Jesus, for you have done it. It is finished. It is taken care of. See, guys, I'll tell you something. It takes a lot of power to pray a prayer of persistent thanksgiving. It takes a lot of power. What do I mean power? It is easy to pray, oh God, there is sickness happening. Oh God, there is this happening. It is easy to pray like that. But it takes a lot of power to see beyond what you see in the natural, to see beyond what you see in the physical realm and say thank you to Jesus. In the storm, saying thank you to Jesus. In the battle, giving praise to Jesus. In the circumstances that you are in, that you lift your hands and you give thanks to God. It takes a lot of power. And it is not just natural power. It is a supernatural power of God that is working in you, which we call faith. If you can give thanks to God in the midst of the circumstances that you're going, that is an evidence of God's faith working in you because it takes a lot of power. It is easy. It is easy to look at the natural circumstances and cry to God and say, Lord, everything is going bad. Everything has been lost. It is easy to do that. But it takes a lot of power to look beyond all of that, to look beyond the outward appearance and give thanks to God. It takes God's divine faith acting in you. Amen. Okay, so I want to quickly give you these three things. When you pray, which is rooted in a balanced prayer of persistence and thanksgiving, you pray in the spirit with your mind from the heart. How do you do it? You pray in the spirit with your mind from the heart. You involve all the three faculties, your spirit, your mind, and your heart. We pray in the spirit with our minds and from the heart to really mean what we pray. Why do we do this? So that you really mean what you pray. If any of these faculties are not aligned, you don't mean what you pray. So when we pray in the spirit with our minds from our heart, we really mean what we pray. What does praying in the spirit mean? Quickly. Praying in the spirit is, spirit is the realm in which we pray. The alternative to praying in the spirit would be flesh. What is flesh? Flesh focuses on self-effort. Flesh focuses on oneself. Flesh focuses on being independent of God. So praying in the spirit puts no confidence in the flesh. It just simply trusts in God. No matter what is happening, it simply trusts in God. 
beyond what's happening it does not trust in you know your ability it does not trust in your circumstance it just simply trusts in god for example you know when i had to take my dad to the hospital i was constantly worried about how i'll pay my pay these hospital bills i was constantly worried and the holy spirit was constantly encouraging me that it is taken care of it is taken care of so praying in the spirit is completely taking the focus from yourself and putting the focus on god and saying that god i trust in you praying in the spirit is complete dependence on god praying in the spirit is where you put no confidence in the flesh where you're not trying to work this out by your efforts but you are trusting in god then it becomes effortless praying in the spirit is a realm in which you pray we believe that everything has been taken care of when jesus died on the cross and he said it is finished we go from a place from god this needs to be done to go go to a place it is already done god you have already taken care of it that is praying in the spirit okay what does praying with our minds mean when paul refers to praying with our minds in first corinthians he refers to praying with our understanding so praying with our minds also mean praying with our understanding praying with our minds takes intentionality you have to be intentional you have to focus yourself to be specific on what you're praying for so you can be like you can pray something but your mind is somewhere else can that happen you're saying a prayer through your mouth but your mind is somewhere else so praying with our mind is praying with understanding to be specific to be intentional to be focused on what exactly you're praying for it involves using the faculty of your mind it involves using the faculty of your imagination and visualization so for example you're praying for somebody who is sick you're praying you're saying lord i speak healing over their lives you're saying that by your words but in your mind the picture that you're thinking is the funeral of the guy that is contradictory because you're not praying with your mind your mind is not aligned to what you're saying so the picture that you see in your mind should be aligned to what you're praying to what the what the lord is doing in the spirit so when you're praying for somebody who is healing you have to see it in your mind that they are already healed that is what praying in our mind is so that it is not in conflict with what we are praying does that make sense did you understand what praying in the mind means praying with our minds okay the last one praying from the heart praying from the heart is when we truly pray we can't pray without involving emotions can you pray without involving emotions if you're praying without involving emotions just that just means that you do not mean what you say okay it's just that it just means that when you pray truly right when you say that hey this lord i thank you but if you don't feel the emotion of thanks thankfulness okay your prayer is incomplete pray from the heart where you feel the emotion let the word not only change the concept let the word change your emotions as well so pray so that your emotions are also aligned with what you are praying for pray from the heart we if we if we don't pray you know what we if we don't pray where the emotions are not aligned to what we are praying that means we are not praying what we mean we don't mean what we pray we have to pray from the heart that is rooted in thanksgiving and for that you need to feel grateful you need to genuinely feel grateful and that takes time guys so you can't just you know take 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 a 
pen and paper and say, oh, I'm going to journal, I'm going to pray, I'm going to give 30 seconds of my life to God and I'm going to see something happening. You can't do that because prayer is communication with God. It takes time. It takes time for you to open up to God so that God can change your heart, not just change your heart, but change your mind as well. And when he starts doing that, your emotions align itself with God, your mind aligns itself with God, and then you are transformed. And as you are transformed, it overflows to transforming the city. It overflows in transforming this nation. You have a huge mandate. You have a huge mandate to let God transform you. See, you know, I was thinking about praying from the heart. I was reminded of these passages where Jesus, when he's driving out the demons, he rebukes them. And I've always thought in my mind that Jesus rebuking the spirit was, I rebuke you. You know, very plainly, very, you know, stoically, I rebuke you. Because, you know, the picture of Jesus that we have from these movies is a very gentle Jesus, right? He's a very polite Jesus. You know, I rebuke you. I rebuke you. Come on, get out. But think about it. If somebody comes in your house, if somebody intrudes in your house who are not meant to be there, how will you rebuke them? Tell me, how will you rebuke them? You will rebuke them with a righteous passion that flows in you. And you will say, get out of my house. You, are, you do not belong here. Think about it. When we are praying for our loved ones who are struggling through sickness, how are we praying? Lord, just heal them. Dude, rebuke them because that sickness is not meant to be there in the first place. Okay? Whatever you don't rebuke will always stay. Whatever you don't resist will stay. You resist them. You rebuke them. Don't entertain them. Rebuke them with your heart, with your mind and from your heart, with those emotions. Rebuke them. Let it not happen in my family from now on. It has happened so far, but it will not happen in my city. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Come on, feel it. Feel it. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit means you pray from a place where God has already done it. Trusting in God, complete trust in God. Pray with our minds is you change the picture that is happening in your mind. Change the picture to what God has already done. Praying from the heart is you align those emotions to what you're praying for. Okay? If it is rebuke, rebuke. Be angry. That's why I used to think, you know, why, why do these pastors shout? Why can't they just speak softly? Can't heaven hear? It's not about heaven. It's about you aligning your emotions. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Pray with your pray in the spirit, with your minds, from the heart. I'm saying, see, guys, it takes it takes a lot of power, lot of power to go beyond what you see in the natural and to believe in what God is doing. And when you do that, when you are activated in the supernatural power of God, when you are activated in the faith of God lot of things begin to change in the atmosphere because your hearts are transformed first. I want to tell you guys, there's a huge mandate, especially in such a time that we are living in. There's a huge mandate on us to pray, to pray without ceasing, to pray with thanksgiving, 
to pray so that God's will is, is established on this earth, to pray so that as it is on heaven, let it be on here, let it be here in our cities, let it be here in India. There's a great mandate on you guys. So please don't waste your time watching Netflix. Please take this time very seriously. We are in the midst of a battle. We are in the midst of a war. This is a supernatural evil and supernatural wickedness that we are seeing in this time. It is for you and me. It is our responsibility to speak God's justice. It is our responsibility to speak God's righteousness. It is our responsibility to, to speak God's healing and peace over our nation. Will you be the watchman of the city, guys? Will you be the watchman of the cities? See, when you speak the voice of the heaven, when you speak heaven's voice, creation has to obey. Because Romans says, creation is waiting in expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Will you say, I am that son. I am that daughter who will speak God's will, who will establish God's will in this place. Starting with myself, starting with my family, starting in the city that I'm living in, starting in the nation that I am in, I will speak God's will. When you do that, prayer becomes an effective tool. Guys, are you excited to see what God is doing? Are you excited to see God, God flipping the situation of India? I believe that God can do that. I believe that because his kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. The increase of his kingdom and of peace, there shall be no end. But guys, let me tell you, God will not do it. I'm not saying God cannot do it. God will not do it. Unless you and me partner with him. Does the news offend you? Does the news stir up a passion in you? Does the news create righteous anger in you? If it does, then it is our responsibility to speak against this wickedness. To speak against, to fight against these spiritual forces of evil. And to resist them. To resist them, to rebuke them. It is our responsibility, guys. Don't wait for anybody else. It is for you and me. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for everything that is happening. But Father, we just want to declare that your will, your will for your people is good. Your will for your people is always pleasing. And your will for your people is always perfect. Come on, say with me. Your will is always good, pleasing, and perfect. Father, we thank you. We declare that the increase of your kingdom and of peace, there will be no end in our nation. In our nation. And Father, we, <laughs> Father, we commit ourselves to stand in the gap and pray for the helpless, to pray for the poor, to pray for the needy, to pray for the sick so that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.